All right, before I get to my next guest, Andy Lane, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan Iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, I'll tell you what, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth PTX Pro or Edge Irons and take it out on the range and compare it to whatever you've got in the bag. Because all Ben Hogan wood irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can custom make woods, irons, wedges, hybrids, all of that online and to your specifications by going to BenHoganGolf.com. And the best thing of all is they're going to charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. So go online and check out their complete line of great golf equipment, bags, and accessories at BenHoganGolf.com. This segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Andy Leno. And let me uh, let me give you a little background on Andy. He started out with us last summer on the show for the, for the very first time. And what a delight it has been getting to know him. Fantastic guy, and he's contributed a lot of great stories and insights here. He is, uh, was a caddy on tour for 25 years on both the PGA and LPGA tours. Caddied for Tenny, uh, Kenny Perry for nearly a decade. He also caddied for players like Tom Watson. Peter Jacobson, Nick Faldo, Michelle Wee, when she uh, played out on the PGA Tour Challenge, the guys, plus our good friends Dave Stockton Jr. and Richard Zokel. He played his uh, high school golf at Deering High in Portland, Maine, and his college golf at Western Kentucky University. And he caddied on tour in 40-plus majors. I think 42 is the number. And he was a part of the 2004 U.S. Ryder Cup team. Like I say, he was also on the bag for Michelle Wee at the 2006 84 Lumber Classic. That uh, that event was out on the PGA Tour, and he was inducted into the Maine Golf Hall of Fame back in 2010, retired from the tour in 2016, started his own business called Golf Mastery, which helps players master the game from a strategic management point of view. You can find that site online at golfmastery.net, and I'm very excited to have Andy back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Andy, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Chris. Doing really good, and uh, great to be back and, and uh, catching up with you. I appreciate you. Andy, you know, before we get into all the golf stuff, you know, uh, as, a, as a fellow Red Sox fan, I, I, I got to get your thoughts. A lot of changes with the Sox over the offseason. For a team with as much money and as many resources as the Sox have, you stunned by this Mookie Betts trade? You know, I kind of am. I mean, is there something we're missing here, Chris? Because the Red Sox have, and and you and I know what you know what a gold mine Fenway Park is. Um, but I, it just it it is a little bit for me. I guess I don't know all the details. I've listened to several people talk about it being under the luxury tax, and you got to get back down there to kind of start all over and and so on. But I mean, I can only attribute it to the fact of obviously that they've eaten some bad contracts. Um, I don't know why they, you know, they've invested in some people, you know, in the past and even currently on the team that they're still paying. You and I know who they are, but I mean, I don't know. I, I love Mookie and, and it's, uh, it made me a little bit sad, but I guess part of the business, something we're going to have to deal with is, as, you know, fans. Do you see this as a, as an attempt to, to restart a little bit, uh, or do you think maybe the Sox are, 
trying to get, you know, got those contracts off the books and maybe they, you know, if they see how they go, you know, through the first half of the year and if they're in contention, might still make a push? Or do you think this is maybe a two or three year sort of thing? Well, they, they still have a lot of talent on the team. Let's, you know, let's not sell them short. I mean, you and I know it takes more than, you know, one going to have, you know, lots, they still got some great players on the team. So I think it's kind of a, you know, a half in, half out thing. I mean, obviously it gets them back down below the luxury tax, but I mean, it's just, I don't know how the fans are going to, I mean, it's hard to tell how it's, you know, the fans are always going to go to Fenway. It's, as you know, been there. It's an iconic place. It's always going to be there. And regardless of, you know, what, you know, what the Sox are doing, they still fill the place. So it, it'll be interesting to see, especially, especially with, uh, you know, the rivals down the street pumping it up and, and boosting their, uh, their, their roster. It, it'll really, we'll, we'll find out just exactly, you know, how good the interim coach is and, and what their strategy is and, and how they develop some of these young prospects that they have now acquired. So Andy, switching gears and let's talk a little golf now and, the story dominating the PGA Tour, at least right now, is all around Patrick Reed. I'm curious to get your thoughts. How do you think that issue is being received and sort of inside the ropes by the players? Is this a big deal for the players, or is this just sort of a fan social media sort of issue? Well, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of it. You know, I haven't seen a lot of it. I've obviously seen, you know, replays, et cetera. But I mean, I, I obviously think it's a, it's a very big deal because, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the integrity of the game of golf. So right, wrong, or indifferent, this is what seems, you know, this is what it's all about. And we all know that, you know, when you are a golfer, whether it's you or me or, or, or anyone on any pro golfer on the tour, or whatever, you police yourself. I mean, you know, out there, you know, whether a twig moved your ball or whatever. And, and that's the really what one of the cool things about golf is it's a gentleman's game and it's a game of honor. So, you know, I believe that obviously it's a feasting ground for the media to be able to take on, especially when you're, you know, at the highest level, uh, you know, of golf and, you know, you're playing for all this money. It's, it's hard. I don't think it can be overlooked, but um, I mean, it's, it's uh it's it's interesting how it's not you know going away i don't think and it probably won't so i mean that's that's what i've pro- that's what i've seen in the little bit that i've observed so andy if you were on the bag and your player was playing against patrick reed whether it was just in a regular tournament and you got paired with him or particularly if you were in a match play event and he was the other guy that uh, that your player is playing against you got more of an eye on Patrick Reed, are you watching a little more closely to what he's doing than uh, you might have otherwise watched a player in the past? Well, I mean, my first of all, my main concern in that situation is my golfer and to make sure that everything's fine with him. I mean, there isn't there isn't a lot of match play, as you know, you know, outside of the tournament coming up here in Austin pretty soon, as far as the one-on-one goes. But I, but I really think that the thing that needs to be noted here is that, you know, every golfer is responsible for protecting the field. And, and that's important. And I, I really haven't heard, but a few pros talk about that. I mean, I heard, I think I heard a little something from, um, Kepka last week and he mentioned something about how he may have seen not, you know, not from Patrick Reed, but for some other players along his career, that was, you know, a marginal thing or whatever, and didn't report it. 
or didn't say anything about it, you know, because it's, it's very distracting and it's, it can be very upsetting. But to answer your question, I mean, not, not really. I mean, you know, I just think that, you know, you got to take care of your pro first. And, you know, you know, I know that I was fortunate in my 25 years to work for guys and we got, we got in some situations to where, you know, you had to, you know, you had to just, you had to take a look at, you know, where the ball crossed and all that kind of thing. And there was some close incidents, not with people I worked with, but within the group. And it was policed like it should be. And I think that that's what really should be noted here is that, you know, I know all these golfers are out to play for themselves, obviously, but they're also responsible to protect the field. And do you want to get your thoughts on the, uh, on the distance issue? We finally seen the USGA and the RNA say, you know what? Enough with uh, the distance guys are hitting it on tour now. And, I, and I'm sure you probably saw Rory McElroy drive the green at the 415 yard par four, the 12th hole at the WGC, you know, this past weekend in, in Mexico. And I get that, you know, that there was some elevation that aided it, right? They played at a pretty high elevation, but still, right. you know, he's driving yep. 415 yard par fours. We've seen Dustin Johnson do it, you know, every once in a while getting it on the green, you know, from the, from the tee box. What do you think should be done? How do how do you fix it now? And are you for bifurcation? I mean, you know, obviously I got to see it, you know, from the wood wood perspective and the ballada ball, all all the, all the way till you know recently till now, right? And it, it's been interesting to think that a lot of these players are hitting the ball, like you just said. I mean, as far as they did 20 years ago, whereas in the olden days, it just didn't seem to work out that way, obviously. So, I mean, it's a combination of the golf ball. I mean, the golf ball goes forever. I mean, it doesn't spin anymore. So, therefore, these, these, they, if you get this trajectory thing right, the ball, you can just send these missiles. And then when it hits, not only are you flying it further, but it's actually rolling, too. In the olden days, there was too much spin on the ball as a comparison. And the number, you know, you could smash the ball. I remember when I first started, a big knock was 300 yards, 300 yards. Now that's like, I think it's like in the middle of the pack or back. So, I mean, I think that, you know, they're on the right track. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, they keep lengthening the golf courses and that doesn't seem to work. So, I mean, you can't make golf courses 8,500 yards. I mean, if that wouldn't be any good for you and I, I know that much. So, I mean, I just, it's going to be interesting to see where they actually draw the line on, you know, the trampoline effect on these drivers. I mean, that has to be factored in too. And now I, I understand that they're randomly testing drivers each week at the tour, or, you know, at, at these tour events to see. So, I mean, the technical part of the game is, is, is obviously, you know, keeping a lot of these guys careers going too. Um, you know, you got guys on the, on the champions tour that are hitting the ball further than they did in their prime. You know, and again, that's because they got great golf swings. Now you mix in this, this equipment and, you know, it's helping them, you know, do better and cash, cash checks and, and, you know, keep, keep bringing in the, the, the cash. And that seems to be what it's all about. Andy, I want to get your thoughts on the mindset of a tour player and then you, even for caddies, you caddied in, I think the number is 42 majors. When you're on the bag, and let's take Kenny Perry because you, you caddied for him for nine years, is the mindset different when you're playing a major than it is when you're playing a regular tour event? Is it is it more tense? Is it, is it more focused? Is it any different when you're playing a major? 
It, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely is. I mean, you hope that it isn't, but let's face it. I mean, you know, not to knock any of the other tournaments, but obviously everybody gets jazzed up for the Masters. The Masters is a special place. And then you move to the, you know, the U.S. Open. And the U.S. Open is always at a different course. And then you're going, you know, across the, you know, the pond to play over there. So, and then the coach, well, now they've changed it. I, you know, I reversed it now. Now the PGA's first, I guess. But, but yeah, I mean, majors have always been more valuable. It's how you size up, you know, careers. I mean, that's what everybody seems to look at. Well, how many majors did he win? That matter that he won, you know, 20 regular tour events. You know, you won two majors or whatever. So it, it, the mindset is definitely different. The guys definitely get prepared for it. Um, they hope to make it as normal as possible. I know that's what we tried to do when I worked for Kenny. I mean, we tried to make it a normal week. But with all the hoopla and all the media now and all the, you know, everything else that's increased, people having cell phones and and streaming and, and everything that goes into it now, it's just it's such a huge event that for sure it 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 there's no doubt that it that that it's it's different. And and these guys they're so good at their craft that they make it look like it really you know, some of them, you know, really make it look like it's not because they just go about their routine. But a lot of them try to stick to their routine and you know, like, uh, you know, you know, Weebs was talking about earlier in your show, you know, it's the repeat, repeat stuff that these pros, I mean, they can do stuff in their sleep. And obviously there's a lot more on the line in the major than there is a regular tour event. But still, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a rush that it's hard to explain and it's different no matter how many times you've been there. I mean, you know, if you've gone to the Masters eight or nine times, each time it's different. I mean, it's, you still get pumped, but it's always going to be a different kind of a, you know, a rush and a feeling. It's going to be a different preparation. I mean, the, the weather is always going to be different. The greens, they change the course. So it's always getting tweaked. So it's, it's an interesting challenge. And these guys that win them, you know, that, that are doing and winning a lot of them, that just shows you how really good they are to be able to repeat it and do it. You know, guys like Mickelson winning as many as he did, Kepka doing it here lately, as many as he has. It's it's incredible that they can they can go out there and just stamp these things out because I can tell you it is not that easy. Andy, just a couple more before I let you go. And you mentioned the Masters, and we're all counting down the days now. One of the things that we hear so much about is the twelfth hole, right? Because it's a it's a short par three, but it's always about the wind. When you've been caddying there for Kenny or any of the other players you had an opportunity to be on the bag for at the Masters, when you get to the 12th tee, what are you looking for to try to figure out where to play it? First of all, that hole, I'm one that's wanting to sign something, and we'll go and we'll pass it around to all the other caddies. But, you know, a lot of us use that hole as hot. So uh, right? I don't know if that's true. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. Because you, <laughs> you get there in the back. You get there in the practice round, right? And the wind never blows. And you just stand up there and they hit, they hit nine iron, eight iron, whatever, no deal, whatever. And then all of a sudden Thursday comes and all of a sudden there's always some sort of a swirling breeze or something. There's always something going on down there in that corner. But I mean, my experience in the piece and you've been there and you've seen it from, you know, from where you can view it. I mean, the place is like, it's, it's a, it's a magical place and stuff happens that doesn't happen in the practice round seems to happen between Thursday and Sunday there. And we've all seen it, you know, because of all the, all the great tournaments that we've been able to, you know, to witness. But I mean, what I've learned from all the pros, 
that I've been around. And I try to, you know, obviously get the front yardage and then right over the center of the bunker, you know, that I think it's like 10 or whatever. That's the fly. And, you know, there's a couple over that. That's what we try to fly it every time, regardless of where the pin was. And there's a spot over there and it was, it's almost, believe it or not, it's almost the middle of the green. And that's where you want to aim it. If the pin's left, you're aiming it there. If it's right, you're aiming it there. That's, that's where I've had, you know, my best success. Start trying to pin hunt there and it, you know the rest of the story. I mean, cost Jordan, you know, speak, you know, he could, maybe might have cost him his second one. Who knows? And then, but then you had someone like Fred Couples leave it on the bank, ship it up and get lucky and, and win the thing. So it's, it's a variance of things, but that, that's always been our strategy there is whoever I've worked for. That's where I've, I've tried to, you know, we've tried to, you know, strategize and realize that regardless of when we get there or what day it is, this is where we're going. So get that front number because they obviously change the T markers every day, but that point that you that you that center that center point right there you know right just a little bit over that bunker that's kind of where you want to be because guess what if you land it there the worst you're going to have is an 18 footer in either direction 18 20 feet so if you ask any of these pros hey we'll give you four threes and you can go to the 13th tee i mean i gotta believe it'd be a long line taking taking that walk to the 13th tee <laughs> Andy, before I let you go, remind our listeners about what you're doing now and your site, GolfMastery.net. So I started, I started Golf Mastery and went, you know, with 25 years on the, you know, caddying worldwide. I'm, I'm trying, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, walking alongside these guys and obviously observing them, trying to take all those, you know, that wisdom and knowledge and, and those little bit of tidbits and try to pass that on and try to, try to help people, you know, golf enthusiasts lower their score. And have a better strategy and, 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 and strengthen their mental game. And obviously, you know, green reading, that's a personal thing, you know, obviously to do too. But, you know, all of those things, they'll lower your score. And that's, that's basically what we're all out to do. When we go play golf, we're trying to lower our score and, and to focus on, I think that out there right now, I mean, there isn't a lot of focus on that. I mean, obviously course management is huge and just playing percentages and, not pin hunting on every hole and, and playing, you know, playing to your strengths and chipping, you know, to your strengths and all that kind of thing. It saves you a lot of shots. I mean, you play a lot of golf, you know, and, and it's, it, it definitely works. So trying to, trying to bring that strategy and trying to bring all, all those nuggets that I was able to gain from the best in the world and pass that on to folks and, and hope that, you know, to give them more enjoyment in the game of golf. And, you know, and that's that's basically what it's all about. So, Andy, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, and follow you on social media as well. Right. Well, you can go to you can go to my site at www.golfmastery.net, and on Twitter, on Twitter, it's a lano two Roman numeral two at a lano two, and then uh, Instagram is uh, a lano ag lano two, the number two. On, on Instagram. That's all I got. I, I can only handle two. So that, that's all. <laughs> that's, that's enough. That's enough media for me, for me anyway. So I know you, you and I, we enjoy, we enjoy the Instagram and the, and the Twitter. The Twitter is, uh, you know, it's a great vehicle, you know, it's a great information network and, you know, and it's, it's a positive place to be. So that, that's where, that's where it's happening for everybody. And that's where you want to be right now. 
Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy night to come back and uh, be a part of the show. Always a lot of fun getting to spend time with you, my friend. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon. For sure, Chris. I, I always appreciate the invite, and uh, and hopefully uh, you got your trip scheduled for Ireland this year. That was supposed to be on the docket. Did you ever get that in the books or what? No, it's not in the books yet, my friend. It's still it's still a part of uh, the bucket list, but uh, um, definitely going to make it happen within the next year or two because uh, Old Head is absolutely unbelievable, and all the pictures that those guys put out on Instagram really makes you, you know, Dying to get there, my friend. Can't can't wait to make that happen. You will. All right, Chris. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. We'll stay in touch. Take care. Absolutely. Take care, Andy. That's a great Andy Lano, L-A-N-O. And uh, like he said, it's uh, Roman numeral two out there on uh, on Twitter. Great guy. Great follow. Great knowledge. And certainly can't wait to have him uh, come back and be a part of the show again soon. 